Well, welcome again, whether you're online, in person, it is good to be with you. Uh, We are starting a new series. So I told you last week, starting in October, uh, we're going to go verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. Before we do that, we're going to do a little three-week series where um, we're trying to be honest with what's going on in our world and say, what does the gospel speak into that? So the next three weeks, today we're going to talk about anxiety and how hope, Christian hope, can speak into that. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about the topic of hatred. And then we're going to end up with the vision. And what does the good news of Jesus Christ speak into those things? And what does it invite us into as people of faith? So I'm going to start off this week on anxiety with a very Debbie Downer giving you some stats of what is going on. But anxiety is very different now than it was six months ago. Uh, I was in a meeting this week where uh, a guy that works at the Billy Graham Center for Evangelism down in Chicago was saying that in June, 25% of teens contemplated suicide. There's so much depression and anxiety going around that in June, 25 teens at least had a thought of suicide. Listen to some of these stats. More than one-third of Americans, 36%, say coronavirus is having a serious impact on their mental health. And 59% feel that coronavirus is having a serious impact on their day-to-day lives. The study goes on to say most adults are concerned that the coronavirus will have a serious impact on their finances, 57%, and almost half are worried about running out of food, medicine, or supplies. Two-thirds of Americans, 68%, fear that the coronavirus will have a long-lasting impact on the economy. Let's just close in prayer, leave, and be super encouraged today, all right? But it's the reality that we live in. I I would even say, I, I, I am a guy who doesn't really struggle with anxiety at all pretty calm, but this season that we're in, for a lot of different reasons, not just COVID-19, I find myself worrying in different ways than I've ever worried before. Anxiety that maybe I've never felt before, and I think probably every one of us is that way. We felt anxiety in different ways, and for different reasons. It could be COVID-19, it could be related to our finances, it could be your kids and where they're at and what your school situation looks like in your school district, whatever that might be. We were talking about teachers earlier. I can't imagine being a teacher this year, a school administrator. I mean, everyone is, in, is experiencing anxiety in such different ways, and it's okay to acknowledge it. It's okay to say, I'm feeling something inside of me that maybe I haven't felt in this way before. And you can call it whatever you might be. You can say, I'm depressed in different ways. I have anxiety in different ways. I'm feeling lonely. It's interesting, if you think about loneliness... Early COVID, we, had, we were all together all the time, but yet, we could still feel lonely. Not connected, and that's the anxiety, that feeling isolated, that anxiousness would begin to rise. But here's what I think. I think this is the reality. We don't want to be people who are controlled by fear and anxiety, right? I would say every person, whether you're online, during the week, listening to this at home, in your car, in this room right now, Not one person wants to be controlled by fear and anxiety. Recently, we lost an actor by the name of Chadwick Boseman. Anybody see the Black Black Panther? Great, great movie. But I've been doing some reading and sort of watched his his career. And this man of faith, a number of years ago, found out that he had cancer. And if you watch his trajectory over the last four years, there was this calm poise, this, this strength, in the midst of knowing that he was going to die, that was absolutely beautiful. And it made me think, like, that's what I want to be in the midst of when things are not going well. 
I want there to be this, this sort of authentic, calm, Christ-centered peace and hope that only God can give. And I think all of us would say at the end of the day, that's what we want. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a psalm. Uh, the Psalms are songs, they're poetry in the Old Testament written by numerous different authors, often in the face of things that are going horrible. And that's Psalm 46 that we're going to be this morning. Let me pray before we read it. God, I pray that you would please speak words of hope this morning. I know we sort of pray that every week, God, but um, in the times that we have going around us, God, whether it's the craziness of wildfires or the racial tension, or a pandemic, God, all of this together with our normal everyday lives, God, it's easy to get caught up in it and forget who you are, God. So I pray your Spirit would speak. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Psalm 46, verse 1 says this. And again, remember, this is poetry. It's not those we're looking at a science book or a math pod problem. There's going to be language that is bigger. It's describing something that's not going well. And this psalm is written on the hills of, of Jerusalem being delivered. We don't know historically exactly what happened, but there was many times throughout Israel's history where there was the attack on Israel. And Israel was everything. If you were a faithful Jew, Israel was everything. So if Israel was going to be destroyed, that's worse than our pandemic that we have going on. It's worse than whatever we might think. I mean, it was it was the thing. And so here's the language that the author says. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And, you, and by the way, that word sea means evil. Like things, are, things were really, really bad. And on the heels of it, the author is saying, we still didn't need to fear. There's something about who God is and who God can be, like Alex said, with us in the midst of what we're going through. So all, everything felt like it was falling apart. Verse, verse 3, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake and they're surging, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So even though the sea connected with this feeling of evil is taking over, there's something about the streams and life from God. They bring life in when it doesn't seem like life is there. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at daybreak. Nations are in the uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's a reminder, that language of Jacob, that it's a reminder that there's a narrative of God has been with you. Remember that. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolation He's brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. Reminder, on the heels of things being horrible, and I think for us, in the midst of things not feeling well, of who God is. And if you sort of break this passage down, you could say in verses 1-3 through three that God is reminding them that He is a place of security when everything feels insecure. The, the next couple of verses, 4-7, through seven, that God is going to protect the city, giving people assurance. And then it ends with this, consider the works of God. Remember what God has done. What we want to remind ourselves this morning in this season is there can be hope in God even when things feel like they're falling apart. 
even when anxiety is welling up inside of us, that we can have faith and hope. One of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, defines faith and hope this way. He says, faith is looking to God and trusting Him for everything. Which I think we try and do. We say we're people of faith where we're trying to look to God and say, we trust you. But then I love the definition of hope. It's looking to the future and trusting God for it. Hope says things may be really bad now, but we know one day God is returning to make things right and we live in the shadow of that. We live sort of in the echo of that, that God will make things whole again even though they don't feel good. Somebody like Chadwick Boseman could know he was going to die and yet have a strength that was, and a hope that was absolutely beautiful. And the reality is we need both. We need faith and we need hope. And the author of Psalm 46 is saying, you can have hope. And even in what we were just going through, and by the way, you're going to go through something again, we can have hope. And I think there's an invitation in this passage, a couple of things that we can take away to lean into hope on a consistent basis. So I'm going to give you three ideas on how we can lean into hope on a consistent basis. One is from verse still, verse 10, be still. It's hard, isn't it? I was talking, I think my, my wife and I were talking yesterday, early COVID, it was so, sort of easy to be still. You were locked in your house together all the time. You could, you know, there, there were times and moments you could find to just be calm. You'd watch a movie together as a family. There were moments of still. We pretty quickly get back into our normal life, don't we? Where we're running crazy. So how is it, how can we be still? How can we be still in the midst of chaos? And I think the invitations I'm going to give you this morning demand intentionality. Like When we talk about anxiety, and by the way, disclaimer to anxiety, there, there may be some of you, whether you're watching this now or you're in this room, where your anxiety is a place where you need to go in and see, see somebody, a therapist, a doctor. What I'm going to give you this morning can help, but at times there's, there's places you need to go and say, I really need help. But being still for all of us is an intentional thing that we need to do if we're going to deal with anxiety. It's creating space to commune with God. And it could look a lot of different ways. As we were studying this passage, I mean, if, if you've ever gone to the mountains of Colorado and stood up on top of a mountain and looked out over God's creation on your own and had this moment of, there's something about the beauty and grandeur of who God is and His creation that I can rest and be still in Him. Most of us can't just do that. We, we, we live lives in Mankato and the surrounding communities. They're just different. So what does it look like to be still? How do you create space and time to get away and just be with God? I might have mentioned this before, but one of the really practical ways that I did, and this is nothing amazing, but... I love listening to K-Fan. I listen to K-Fan Sports Talk Radio all the time. And I live almost exactly a mile from this building that we're in. And one of the things that I try to do every morning, and generally do it, is for about three minutes, that one-mile commute, I turn K-Fan off, and I try to just sit and talk to God. For three or four minutes, before I come in, God, would you lead and love through me today? When anxiety pops up, help me to rest in you, to be still in you. But it means creating space. And for some of you, it might be nature. You go walk on the red jacket or one of the trails around us. It might be going on a run 
or listening to worship music while you're on the elliptical. But being still, if we're going to deal with anxiety in a different way, if we're going to be people of hope, we have to be still. Another invitation in the passage, I think number two is this, to be grateful. Verse 8, come and see, is a reminder to be grateful. Remember what God has done. That God is faithful. That it is well in the midst of it not feeling well. Ann Voskamp wrote a book that I would encourage everybody to read called 1,000 Gifts. And it's the story of her journey towards gratitude. Where she literally went through a phase where she wrote down a thousand different things that she's grateful for. And I read a recent interview of, of Ann Voskamp where she said this, she, and this is a number of years after the 1,000 gifts. She says, I'm still writing out two lists every day. I think, I think this would be so powerful for us, us to do. She goes, the first one is this, a gratefulness list. She said, a gratefulness list and a given list. So we get to the end of every day, and she says, I try to write out ten things that I'm grateful for. She says, I think it's really tempting sometimes to write out the big things. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful to live in this country. I'm thankful for my salvation in Christ. She goes on, those are all right and true and good, but I think the real deep work starts to happen when we give thanks for the smallest things and we're attentive to and notice the small things in our life. So she says, so you can write ten things every day, five things every day, three things every day. Because it starts to shift your perspective throughout the day to notice the small moments. To notice the small moments and be grateful. And when you're grateful, it's not as though anxiety may completely go away, but anxiety tends to sort of be pushed out of your mind and your heart. In the interview, she talks about the given list. And she says, then I have a given list. I read out the ways that I took the grace and the goodness and the kindness of the Lord that I'd been given, and how did I pass it on? How did I live broken and give a gift back out into our world? And she says that list tends to be far shorter. But wouldn't that be powerful? I'm grateful for, and God, by His grace, allowed me to give grace away in this way today. Gratefulness is so important if we're going to have hope in the midst of anxiety. And then the final thing is this, is to be prayerful. To be prayerful. To be people who actually talk to God. The Psalms, they're, Psalms are essentially all prayers. That's what a song is. Every time we sing a song, we're, we're singing words of prayer back to God. I have a friend who talks about her journey with anxiety. And she said one of the most powerful ways that she dealt with anxiety and continues to deal with anxiety is she prays Scripture to herself. Again and again and again, the promises and the words in the hope of God. So what I'm going to invite you to do for a couple of minutes here is simply to close your eyes, whether you're at home. Don't, if you're driving during the week, don't close your eyes and listening to this in your car. But if you're in this room or you're listening to this at home, close your eyes for a minute. And I'm just going to read some scriptures over us that can help push anxiety out. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displays, displaces worry at the center of your life. John 10, verse 14 says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I 
know the Father. I lay down my life for my sheep. Psalm 23. Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. 2 Timothy 1. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Romans 8. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. By Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And then finally, Philippians 4. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Whatever you have learned or received or have heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Anxiety is nothing new, my friends. It's nothing new. Throughout church history for the last 2,000 years, we have church fathers and mothers who have wrestled with anxieties. Anxiety, and they have prayed prayers that I think are a gift to us. So I want to give you this prayer from St. Francis de Sales. He says this, Do not look forward in fear to the changes and chances of this life. Rather, look to them with full confidence that as they arise, God to whom you belong will His love enable you to profit by them. He has guided you this far in life and He will lead you safely through all of your trials. And when you cannot stand it, God will bury you in His arms. Do not fear what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will take care of you then and every day. He will either shield you from suffering or give you unfailing strength to bear it. Be at peace then and put all anxious thoughts and imaginations aside. Dr. Henry Cloud is a brilliant psychologist. He says this in one of his books. He says, It's weird how we try to control anxiety when giving up control is what cures anxiety. And I think these gifts of being still, of being grateful, of being prayerful, can help us when anxiety feels like it is swallowing us whole. So let's live as people of hope. When it feels like we're drowning, live as people of hope because we can engage things like this because we know with full confidence that there is a God who wants to be with and wants to care for you. We're going to watch a video of uh, Kristen Beatty sharing her journey with anxiety that I think will be an encouragement to all of us. So let me pray before we do that. God, thanks for your word, Lord, that you care about the smallest things that we worry about, that cause anxiety. And in the midst of all of it, you are with us. God, give us the strength to be intentional, Lord, with you. We would pray and be grateful and we'd be still in your presence to be reminded of what you've done. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.